retreat period together and so to all the efforts to set it up and the setting in putting in place various structures and people getting familiar with what to do and how to do things are kind of rolling along and uh, So, for myself, it's got a feeling of some sense of steadiness and ease to it, and uh, this gives me kind of a feeling of a quality of well-being. <coughs> Just enjoying the atmosphere, the context, um, the perceptions that arise, people attentive, focused, balanced, mm. putting in efforts and so forth um, <coughs> and something that uh, also the sense of the group everybody making uh, contribu- contributing making contributions so it's a very even feeling to it you know I can't think of anybody who isn't making a good contribution on just even on the ordinary conventional level of answering the phone and people cooking and and doing the chores and tidying up and getting the logs cut and looking after the boiler and keeping the plants okay and everything and there's a nice uh, feeling around that it's all um, tidied and there's a uh, without being frantic or um, having a great campaign or purpose just to keep things balanced and it's all so it has the feeling of like the whole feeling of it is one of a kind of effortless quality even though it all takes effort you know everybody makes efforts yet by and large the sense one has is of an effort that's within people's capacity to make not a strain Um, so it's a it's kind of a pleasant effort and uh, by and large, you know, obviously there are occasions when it's get more difficult or easier, but by and large within people's capacity, this is a nice sign of what right effort's about. And you can see the result. Quality of of attention, alertness, investigation, um, some sense of, of well being. These are, you know, where the in this kind of gives us a recognition of where the enlightenment factors come from. Not because we particularly um, say now, you know, that they arise from specific being mindful in handling phenomena, investigating, seeing which is the best way to do it, um, putting, getting some energy in what we're doing, getting the right kind of energy in what we're doing and feeling a sense of getting things flowing so we get a sense of the well-being and the ease with that (coughs) and the overall result on that external level anyway for myself is one of of some ease because it doesn't seem to be I I personally don't feel I'm kind of doing it all or that any one person is doing it all. It's a kind of 
everybody's doing a bit and yet the whole end result is something that's not like a whole experience rather than one person's doing it so it's a kind of a quality of of um, kind of almost impersonal which makes it quiet it's not like the great um, you know individuals everybody is doing their bit but uh, the main feature of it is nobody's doing it purely with them only their own own welfare in mind everybody's doing something good sense of how will this help the situation and not even how will this make me more popular with this particular person or how will this help this particular person how will this help the whole situation the context practice in this particular time and people's individual inclinations are respected with that some people you know find they can't eat oats in the morning so they make some rice or things of this nature yet without disregarding individuals the whole feeling is how do we make the sangha, the monastery, the community, the dhamma the whole thing work so it's it's like there's not a lot of self in it in the narrow sense it's not like one individual is doing it for the sake of another individual how do we make it work for this person but how do we how do our efforts kind of apply themselves, get applied to, to generate a particular context in which we can all find room and uh, to practice. So it's a kind of uh, something that generates a contemplative space. And it requires the desire, chanda, which is a kind of motivating quality to something worthwhile here. <coughs> But it's a kind of chanda, you know, the desire that, that generates space. If you like, it creates an openness within which we can move. It, it's an aspiration desire. Um, you know, it's desire in the present moment. How can I bring up that which is good in the present moment? We don't really know how it, what the effect will be, but this is our interest in the present moment is to make things skillful or good or harmonious. So it's that kind of quality, you can feel the energy of that. Whereas the other form, the other form of desire, tanha, is craving, is always very much concerned with um, goal. You know, how can I, how can I, um, rather than create openness, it closes us down upon a particular object or perception or state. How can I get this? How can I get that? Um, I'm going to have this, I want that. Or I'm going to get away from this, I'm going to get away from that. So it it very much narrows our focus. And um, this is when we get stuck in particular, gets quite obsessive. Um, And it's a different kind of energy. You can feel it as energy that closes down. Whereas chanda is energy that, dhamma chanda anyway, is an energy and eagerness that kind of makes us open and willing you know, to, to do, to work, to, to explore, to feel. And it's very much something that's geared to bringing oneself in tune, aligning oneself to the context in the present moment. The tanha is about, you know, jumping to an idea of how, how things could be for me in the future. Or pushing something away 
So it goes in different directions, either to get something or to get rid of something. And it's around this particular energy that the sense of of self is born and intensified around tanha. So <coughs> tanha, which is a it takes three primary forms: um, bhava tanha, vibhava tanha, karma tanha. Karma tanha is that which fixates upon sense objects. How can I get this sense object? How can I get something pleasant out of this particular sensed object? Taste, the touch. Bhavatana, how can I get into this particular state? How can I get into this? How can I become something? How can I get into this particular situation? And Vibhavatana, how can I get out of this? So, those forms of those three forms, those particular energies, always infer a sense of somebody who's going to get out, or somebody's going to get in, or somebody's going to get hold. <laughs> and, and as we follow these, we recognize, actually, it doesn't work. You know, yeah, okay, I, I get hold of a taste, but the taste melts in a few seconds. So where was the getting hold in that? Hmm. I got out of that, I managed to avoid that, I managed to defend myself from that, but how long is that going to last before the next thing happens? I managed to get hold of this, become this, get to this status or position, and now I've got to maintain it. How long will that last? So, it generates this sense of of, uh, self, it doesn't actually generate what it's trying to generate, which is a feeling of satisfaction. It generates a sense of self me um, who then tries to formulate a way how I could get out of this mess so how do I get out of this mess Um, or how do I get to some other place where this mess won't occur so this is bhavatana vibhavatana and very often in our our, the psychology of the mind is still working around that principle how can I get out to somewhere else how can I get in to the good bit or to the to the something in the future? So, <coughs> you know, the sense of self is taken for granted as a as the norm of experience, whereas meditative practice or Buddhist meditative practice then is aimed not really about getting out or getting in or getting hold or even really about those experiences not being there. You know. Yeah, there's, there's wanting to get, wanting to have, wanting to become, and wanting to get rid of things. But the first thing we begin to recognize is how these particular energies, compulsive, even involuntary at times, just happen. And they don't, they're not generated by a self, they, they generate a self. You know, they're there. And as they, as they happen, what comes along with them is a sense of somebody who's going to get or get rid of. So you get it, this the thing happens. So it's impossible then to proceed from the sense of self and say, well, how do I, am I going to get out? Or get in? Or get to this place or that place? Mm. I mean, we can take that as a, just a way of speaking to say, well, there is a getting out and there is a getting, you know, there is a liberation as a, and I will get liberated as a, 
unconventional language, but one can't get very far with that before it starts to get pretty sticky and uh, confused. Because we keep coming up against, in the, in the meditative process, those uh, energies and forms and perceptions and moods keep getting revealed that we either want to get or get rid of. And as, as we follow in that particular way, we're still in the same habit is occurring that keeps this sense of a self stuck in an unsatisfied position. So as long as we follow those particular energies, bhava, vibhava energies, there will always be the sense of a self that is in an unsatisfactory position. It's not the self's fault, because there isn't one (laughs) as such. You know, there's this experience that's the end result of those particular energies. Bhava vibhava, you know, one trying to become, trying to get, trying to get out. Hmm. So the real remedy is that, you know, for the unenlightened being, is that we actually use those particular energies um, in a way of chanda. Like, well, how can one? cause to arise, cultivate, bring into being that place where there can be a letting go, where there, be, where there can be a letting go of that particular uh, hunger and need. Mm. And it's not going to be in a particular form or the normal way we work, forms, objects, sense perceptions and so forth. And yet there will be that. And this is the ground or the domain of enlightenment factors or the domain of contemplative space, if you like, you know, domain of meditative space, which means we, we bring into being, we cultivate those mindfulness, investigation of Dhamma, energy, <coughs> rapture, <coughs> ease, concentration, and equanimity. We, we bring those around. And you can recognize with those that you do that with chanda rather than with tanha. You do that with aspiration, with that sense of present moment bringing forth, attending, rather than present moment grabbing hold of something so that one will be something in the future. Mm. So in a way we, we deliberately use that our potential, the, the becoming energies, the sankara energies, to generate something that helps to, to defuse the whole of that compounding process. It does this because that particular sphere or that realm or that contemplative space is, is something that makes us more fully aware of the changeability, the impermanence, the ephemeral nature of phenomena. We can let them pass, we can let them come and go there can be that experience of things come and go. And the grasping, the holding on, begins to wane. Because the contemplative space, if you like, holds us. We feel 
collected in it, we feel okay in it, we feel settled in it. And it acts as a kind of a nurse or a, or a midwife, you know, that gets us in this intermediary place where letting go can start to happen more deeply. Just as using the analogy of the monastery, you know, the energy, the buildings, the plans, the finances, the counting, the all that, the people getting tired, the people worrying, concern, all these kind of things. And yet, ideally, what we're trying to do is not really create buildings so much as, as sheltered spaces where we can sit and be quiet. <laughs> you know, we're not creating buildings so that we can do things in them or they can look uh, as works of art, but just places where we can feel there's space where we can relax and we can, you know, don't have to do a lot of stuff. That's the idea. And so this hall, we thought a lot into this hall of how could we actually make a building that didn't need a lot looking after? You know, it hasn't got a lot of gear in it. And, um, <coughs> you know, it's not got a lot of stuff going on in it. It's solid and it's, 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 it's very steady, stable. So, in a way, this is an analogy of the contemplative space of the enlightenment factors. We do something that establishes a kind of space that we no longer have to really um, fret about. So the the becoming, the bhava, vibhava energies can relax and we can get more into just the quality of of, uh, presence, awareness, understand the nature of experience the ephemeral nature of experience there's nothing to grasp hold of because things innately are not things they're not graspable concrete objects not things that you can grasp they're more like smoke or like waves they flow they unfold they evaporate they don't exactly begin they don't exactly end they just kind of wave up and they sink down again can you find the place where a thought suddenly arises Hmm? it wasn't there now it's there isn't it more like it just kind of starts to very rapidly condense in the mind. There's a kind of a thoughtfulness or a concern or a vague mood and it begins to formulate around that. Rather like the way that um, mist condenses on a cold window pane. It's like the very quality, you know, the water was in the air and then when this cold glass was there, it hit the glass, it started to condense. But you, you can't you know, it wasn't the water, that the glass produced water. It's that had the potential for it to to crystallise. And the thinking, the, the the thinking mind is like that. It's just kind of an energy that has the potential to to, to generate thought. It doesn't exactly create it, but it's the condition, the supportive condition, for thoughts to begin. Just try to find a place where a thought 
suddenly pops completely formed into your mind and when I contemplate mine it, it doesn't happen like that there's this sort of silence and then there's vague tendrils right? so then, then the thought, thought materialises out of that and then when it subsides it doesn't just go click and stop it kind of sinks down and breaks up its wave breaks up you know? you get a chain of thoughts and they start to die away you get spaces in between them and they start to disconnect and they become less and less coherent and they fade out it's rather like that isn't it so phenomena neither don't really begin and don't really end they have the tendency to form and the tendency to, to subside and evaporate and when they're present what are they? you know you know, they, they have the sense of being present you contemplate a thought because the thing moves it's rather like the blur that a, a fan creates when you switch it on it looks like a solid disc because you know because of the blur of that yet mostly it's space which is the blur and the blur of in thought is the blur of emotion and mood and volition and what actually is it? You know, beneath all that, and you can't say it's not there either. This is the kind of, you know, mysterious, ephemeral nature of of a phenomenon like a like a thought, which you can, which you can contemplate quite easily, because there's so many of them, and they're they're very, you know, very powerful, very meaningful for us, and yet. Eventually they're kind of, they're neither here nor not here. You can't say they arise, they can't say they cease, you can't say they exist, you can't say they don't exist. You know? <laughs> and this is a kind of uh, an encapsulation of what all, all conditioned phenomena, are, they're natured all like that, really. You try and find a, a, a form, you know, that, that you look like, you look form like this, this uh, pillar here. You know, well, which bit is the pillar? You know, where does the pillar begin and end? It looks like it has a clear beginning and ending, but you know, when you can't see, is it the cement at the bottom, or is it the bit of wood above it, or the shape? Which is which is the pillar? These there's a various perceptions that give rise to that sense of pillar. You know, the colour, the shades, the shapes, the textures, the inferences. You know, we Im- I imagine it's solid, not just a piece of hollow paper. You know, give rise to that particular thing, and it's it's compounded out of a various set of sense perceptions, visual and mental. Mm. So that's that's what it's, it's nature. It's a kind of um, a gesture, an emptiness. These are. So when we begin to contemplate phenomena like this or recognize phenomena like this, then the ability to grasp them as anything gives up. And with that, the, the desire for them or the aversion to them gives up. And with that, the sense of self doesn't get formed. Because it is really not, self is not a particular finite entity or a person or a being or a personality 
it's a way of interpreting phenomena. It's a way of reacting to phenomena. That's what we're talking about as self in, in the Buddhist sense. It's a way of interpreting and reacting to phenomena, which is to grasp, to defend, to hang on, to push away, to worry about, to proliferate around, to doubt. Somehow to get stuck onto a phenomenon as a real entity that we have, it has to be reacted to. And in meditation we're learning how to allow phenomena to, to, to arise, to be seen, to break up, to evaporate, to crystallize, to condense, to do what phenomena do. With their duty, if you like, their nature, to follow their nature. And, you know, this is really the, the kind of the crown of meditative experience. And we do we establish a foundation or a place within which we can do that and this is the contemplative space or the of the enlightenment factors you know, all seven of them kind of grouped around holding a space for us and these enlightenment factors are invoked or brought up through our own uh, efforts our own aspiration and the way that they occur is also quite salutary is you can see there is a balance there uh, there's the ones that we particularly um, <coughs> do so we apply mindfulness something we apply ourselves we bring our minds our, our attention onto an object I mean you have to, you have to do mindfulness you kind of write as that and it, you investigate you do that the very quality of doing that has energy in it so this is all about the doing bit Um, and then you have factors like equanimity is something you you more or less experience you don't really say do it you don't say now I'll be more equanimous you want to be more equanimous but you just try doing patience (laughs) equanimity happens and uh, you know, if you want to calm down, you don't go around frankly trying to calm down. You just relax and tranquility happens in, in, you know, in this particular way, in this sequence. So you get a series of factors which are about what you do and a series of factors which are about what, what occurs or what you, know, what you receive or what, you, what, what happens. So one set about things you can kind of feel the energy sort of gathers itself around and the others are things where the energy sort of opens up. And the pivotal point is rapture, which is right in the middle, which is something that definitely occurs through the work, through a sense of keenness and eagerness and enjoying oneself and getting in there. And it, so it's certainly something we do, but it's also something we feel, we sense, we feel ourselves lifted up. Oh, this is really nice. This is happening to me. Yeah. I'm both doing something, but also something's happening to me. So it's both active and receptive, if you like. And then ease. You don't exactly do ease, but you receive ease. Or tranquility, pasadi. And samadhi, the sense of gathered together in one point, is, is something that you know, begins to occur. So there's a balance of both what we do and what, from aspiration and what we open up into. 
and these these all these factors play together to create something that represents in a way a natural <coughs> balance for us almost like an antidote to our to the energies which are of bhava and vibhava where bhava is, is about let me get in there let me get hold of it which is a very much like a uh, that kind of en- the energy that tries to become something and we and then vibhava is I want to get out of this so it's very much a sen- similar sense to the thatness which just wants to be left you know it's like to leave, be left alone and you know that in a way gets transmuted into these um, gets taken up by that the experience of e tranquility which is very much like you don't have to do anything you're just held like that so there's a transmutation of the, those energies into into contemplative space So we don't really have to get rid of our craving so much as just transform it into chanda. We don't have to get rid of... How can you get rid of the desire to get rid of something? <laughs> you know, to get out. How do you get out of the desire to get out? You have to, you have to transmute it. The desire to get, get out becomes something like the sense of just resting you know, being held, not not having to be doing and being and becoming, and so it's like that. Mm. And the this transmutation into the enlightenment factors is something that that doesn't uh, generate that same um, trapped sense of self. So when these are completed, in the complete maturity and ripening of these, then that sense of self is kind of is no is not present. Mm. So there isn't anybody getting liberated anymore, but that's fine. <laughs> so in you know the this teaching on anatta, not self, is to understand is not really about trying to get rid of a self or not be a self, but to understand the particular way in which self gets gets created, formulated, and, and what it does. Um, so we can recognise that for you know for the when there is a sense of self, mostly what it's about is this trying to get in or trying to get out trying to get into a sense phenomenon or trying to get into some state of consciousness or trying to get out and get away and it's always that <coughs> doing that so it's it's like a dog chasing its own tail sometimes it's trying to run away from its tail and sometimes it's trying to get hold of its tail to have a meal. Do you think that dog would ever really be satisfied? So the sense of self is doing that. It's, 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 it's trying to bite hold of its own 
tail, which is the desire to be or to have, or is trying to run away from its own tail. In meditation, rather than follow those, we develop an awareness of the whole picture, you know, of that very, even that frustrating picture. So instead of either trying to pull the sense of self away from an object, you know, say, you know, let, let me not be with this particular feeling, not me. It's always this kind of the struggle of this dualism, you know, the sense of self and, it, and its and its shadow object, or it's it's you do an awareness of the whole picture of that. This is this is the me trying to get hold of. Mm. And we need a space to do that in, a kind of a granted, a protected space to do that in. So, in a way, you know, the retreat, the monastery, you, you have all these, these Chinese boxes of spaces. You have the, you know, the, the Buddhist tradition. You have the Buddha Sasana. You have this particular monastery which is held and collected. And you have the retreat space within that. And you have the Dhamma Vinaya. All these create particular containing places that are protective in their nature where we can start to relax particularly because so much it seems to me that a lot of our energies get used in defending ourselves in trying to get away from things painful feelings Mm. painful perceptions painful mental states painful possibilities painful futures possibly being overwhelmed overburdened being trapped, being driven, being forced, being shamed, being left out, being ignored, being left in some kind of lonely, cold place or whatever. You know, how we, there's kind of something trying to protect us from that. So much of this retreat is just about, you know, needs are taken care of. And then, you know, we need to look at that the defended, ex- defensive experience and try to kind of come out of that tightened state. So it, it does help when we um, even lessen the community interactions, personal interactions, because so much of that gets compounded into you know, what I want you to be, how I want you to be for me, you know, how you can fulfill my particular need or wish or interest of the present moment. We don't always recognize this, but, you know, I'd like somebody to talk to or something to be with or you need to give me an answer and I want an answer now, you know, or something or the other. And so a lot of kind of relationship stuff gets snagged in these particular instinctual ways in which you know personalities tend to 
function and operate and it's quite a difficult thing to unravel mm. so someone's just kind of putting the thing to one side recognize well actually we can support each other in a way by you know giving each other a bit more space not saying you know you I want you to be a pleasant perception for me or a pleasing feeling for me or make me feel good you know so you know because then you get a sense some somehow that that desire energy that tanha that craving energy cools down and we can see things a little more spacious way as well as, you know people keeping precepts this is very nice you know who's going to beat me up nobody's going to be swear at me nobody's going to lie cheat you know if they you know these kind of things aren't going to happen oh it's nice and also we're in a, a, a quiet place where there's a lot of emphasis just on meditating so there's not a lot of things I've got to prove or compete for so we get, you know, the dif- sometimes we get caught in this sense of what, what a performance, how good I am as a, as a worker, how good I am as a manager, how good I am in the office, how good I am as a cook, how wise I am as a nun, how compassionate I am as a monk, or how loving, or some of the other, goes on. So we can feel these kind of criteria being gener- created and trying to come up to scratch or or you know even the things aren't being generated by anybody else we can imagine those are being generated we can feel that kind of thing and then occasionally not feeling we can make it or do it so then this can be you can get into this sense just by the way that people sometimes just words happen or or gestures or modes or perceptions even unintended to bring up those kind of triggers in us and we end up getting kind of enmeshed in that, in those compulsions, in those reactions. Just so, just being able to kind of put it all aside. Mm. So that the perceptions change. These things such as perception and uh, our ways in our ways we experience perception, feeling, form, uh, karma potential, formations, you know, activities if you like, volitions and so forth, and consciousness are the way things are experienced or how it's experienced. Everything comes in these particular packages. Consciousness is that which makes something present for us through the ear, the, o, the eye, the nose, the tongue, body or the mind there's this kind of um, something that arises conditioned by contact there's a kind of quality of awareness that makes these things present and it's conditioned and form the form of something, the solidity of it the movement, the shape, the heat of something the feeling of pleasure, pain, neutral the, mean, the perception, which is the, the sense meaning, friendly, hostile, generous, kind, beautiful, ugly, so forth. And those, those sense, me, those felt meanings are 
evocative for us, they cause us to feel happy and sad. Those are big things for us, things we need to know or, or inclined towards experiencing. And then volition, it's, uh, volitional formations, uh, which is the doingness of, of attention and doingness of motivation. Do something, achieve something, fix something, stop something, change something, prop it up, pull it down, paint it black, get a new one. You know, <laughs> this kind of thing going on. <coughs> so these are these all. These are called the, the khandhas, or, and these are things that you know, normally are the way which experience happens. And sticking with those, or getting stuck in those, through the trying to become something in terms of those, or trying to get rid of them, is of course how this sense of self gets operated. Right? So he gets in the form is mine or it's not mine, I am this form, <coughs> he is that form, she is that form, I'm not that form. So this is how form, uh, self gets generated with reference to form. Either I am it or I'm not it. Mm-hmm. It's still, is either clinging to it or pushing it away. So th- those are two forms of the, the bhava vibhava movements, clinging to it, cling, getting rid of it. Yeah. And yet form is just what it is. And it by itself it tends to be formed and tends to deform. So, you know, form is called form because it is formed. <laughs> it's not a thing, it's something that actually is squeezed, if you like, into into a shape by consciousness, by perceptions. It's oh, that thing. You know, it's this this particular bunch of light, we squeeze it together and we call it, you know, the shape of a human being. That's a person. Actually, you know, what's happening is there's a sense the eye is, is attending to particular light and inferring shape and distance and then it tags in with a mental perception, reminds me of, and then we get a person arises. So... You know, form is like that. It's something that is is created you know, through the sense through the senses, and it tends to to change and melt and break up. Either intrinsically, form does that, or even our our way of holding it breaks up, changes. Mm-hmm. It's like when you put water. In, um, into into powder, and you mix it up so that I have this particular kind of stuff I'm taking at the moment, which you put powder in water and you shake it up, and in a couple of minutes turns into jelly. Where did the water go? Where did the powder go? <laughs> Who put this jelly in here? You know, it just does it by itself. It's like, you know. A few days ago, I was noticing the nuns were walking on water. Amazing, psychic power, nuns. Because of the condition of frost arose. <laughs> Where did the water go? How come this hard surface appeared? You know, how wet is water? How liquid is water? Depends on conditions, doesn't it? By itself, it changes and shifts. This perception of a nun 
floating above this uh, um, space. Wow, it's amazing. So form, form does that, and the way we hold it, the way we recognize it. You know? When did the tree become, become a pillar? Is it still there or not? Is this oak still a tree, or, or what is it? We couldn't call it tree anymore, we still call it oak. You know, so form, perception, consciousness, they're all bound up with each other. They're like that. But normally what's occurring is something is grasped and held as this is a tree. <laughs> you know, or more powerfully, this is me. You know, I am this form. You know, which which bit which bit of this body are you? All of it? And yet there's bits of it breaking up all the time, cells flaking off, hair dropping out, you know, <laughs> and more, and worse. <laughs> so which bit are you? And how come you're still here? <laughs> After all these years, you know, with all these bits have broken up and fallen away from it, which... which so, so you're not there then, huh? That's not your form. Well, you can't say that either. So it's neither yours nor not yours. The problem is not with form, the problem is with applying the sense of permanent and self to it. So then, when applying a sense of these ideas of permanence and self to it, form becomes then something that's, that's the Buddha called it like a, a robber. It's a bandit, it's a killer. Because it drags us into sadness, despair, let my form not be this way. Oh, that my form could be like that. And then the form does what it does. It goes ahead and changes. And collapses and mutates into something that becomes ash and dust. Oh dear, that was a bit of a bad deal, wasn't it? (laughs) So, it's when they're held onto, they become robbers of our true potential, they become things that attack us. And perception and feeling probably even more acutely do that. Feeling comes up, I'm feeling this. I don't want to feel this, I want to feel something else. There's only three kinds of feeling, pleasant, painful and neutral. And that's they, they have the nature to, to shift and change if you come to a how long does a pleasant feeling remain pleasant before it becomes a little bit stale. Mm. So, you know, we are, and yet we can f- feel very much that pain, pleasant feeling is what we really want to have. And painful feeling is something we want to get away from. Yet they, they both, they all occur to us, or they all occur. So when they're clung to like that, they keep, we, you know, as really the whole, our whole energies are, are caught up with trying to defend ourselves or grab hold of these particular um, experiences. And then comes a sense of a trapped self with that. 
through our practice is to contemplate things like feeling, form and perception and you know, perception is probably even more meaningful than feeling because the perception becomes something that's much more long lasting than feeling feeling is just a burst of uh, displeasure perception becomes it like she doesn't like me you know, this can go on for 20 years you know, he, you know he betrayed me that can go on for 50 years <laughs> A lifetime of that, something, an incident that occurred, you know, there it is locked in the memory because perception is like a, a remembered thing. Or even a fear, he might not, he might think I'm a complete idiot. He might have that perception of me. So, this is very potent stuff. And yet, you can sense that a lot of uh, our activities just trying to get the right perception. I want to be seen as nice, wise, compassionate, not a pushover, but not, not rigid, firm, but not too, you know, not too rigid, flexible, but not, not too sloppy, um, you know, relaxed, but not casual, <coughs> alert, but not uptight, um, clear, but not too sharp. Well, wow. <laughs> 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 by everybody. <laughs> Because if I don't get it right, you know, oh dear, there'll be the feelings of he's aggressive, he's nasty, he's vicious, he's up in his head, he's conceited, <laughs> all those terrible things. Oh dear. So, you know, when you're in a group of people, this one really can keep you on your going uh, and trying to get it right all the time. And it becomes like an insatiable tyrant. Uh, you never satiate it, because sooner or later, you know, you're going to not appear or feel you're not being right to the right kind of perception of somebody or somebody doesn't see you the right perception or you don't feel you're the right perception or whatever. You know, so this stuff. Am I doing enough? This is sankhara, volition. Am I doing enough? Am I working hard enough? Am I meditating hard enough? By meditating who hard. You know, sort of like production line stuff. Am I developing quick enough? Yeah. Am I getting enlightened? All this this kind of things of this nature. I must be slow. Is there a quick way? Easy, pain painless quick way. No snags. I want to go straight line, full speed ahead, rocket train, bolt. No, no meandering. No, no ups and downs. Just get me there on time. I'm going to do it in one lifetime, or half a lifetime, or next year, or today, please. We didn't retreat anyway. So you know, trying to satiate this monster, this kind of, this, uh, this when this sankara has become a kind of a, another tyrant for us. Or consciousness. What's consciousness going to bring me? Could you bring a nice one? Could you bring me a nice mental image today? Consciousness. Hmm? Could you come up with some nice, soft, luminous image for me today? Consciousness. Don't bring me those nasty, sludgy memories, or those dreary, miserable mind states, those muttering moans. I just want the nice, bright, luminous ones. Consciousness. 
God says, no, 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 I'm not going to give it to you. <laughs> so, you know, eventually you realise the best way to treat these aggregates is to say, you, you go your own way. <laughs> then it's funny, when you, when you let them do that, they start to respect you a bit. So, oh, well, okay, well, I'll quieten down. <laughs> Consciousness starts coming up with some nice, spacious, luminous, bright things. <laughs> Perception suddenly, you know, the heat goes off and it becomes kind of soft and much more easy. Form becomes much more less intense, less, you know, less of less of something you get fixated by. Mm. So we practice this, you know, because our senses, when we come to an obstacle, we tend to intensify around it. We come to an a, a attachment or an aversion, or our defence strategies, or our you know, ambition strategies, a tendency to either intensify around them to to fulfil them, or try to intensely demolish them. What about just not being intense, just moderating the sankara energy, just to generate that contemplative space and let that do the work, let that do it, place where we can rest. We build up something and then we, we, we our energy, our practice to stay within that, stay within that sphere of meditative space, keep it there, protect it. Even though it doesn't answer our problems, it doesn't get us enlightened, and it doesn't give us the right images and so forth. But what it does is it gives us the kind of dispassion, the openness, the the proper chanda, the proper quality of attunement that resolves the dilemma of the aggregates, the perceptions and forms and consciousness. And then these aggregates are no longer our masters. And they in fact become something that presents rather pleasant things, enjoyable, peaceful things for us. Consciousness presents some nice, quiet, buoyant states. Perception becomes bright, subtle. Form becomes gentle and and, uh, peaceful. Feeling becomes something we can feel moderate intensity of it, the struggle with it. We become patient, equanimous with feeling. So our practice is not one of demolishing the aggregates or demolishing or demolishing anything or getting rid of anything it's about a process whereby the the grasping is relaxed and there's a graduated process with path with that to establish the contemplative space that can do it because I can't do it There's a certain 
this is the lightness, this is the humility of practice, really, that, that, you know, I can't do this, but I can give myself to something that will, to the Buddha, the Dhamma, Sangha, I offer his body and mind, and they, they can do that. So when we were able to <coughs> find that particular space and, and tune in with it, how how your body feels, how the heart feels, how the thinking mind, how they operate within that, how they help to support something, it's rather like the way we support a retreat. There's doing it, and yet doing it is not for, you know, it's more like a, Tuning into what the plate, what the situation is about, rather than those um, energies operating on their own for their own welfare. They're not for pleasure or pain, becoming something or getting rid of something. They're about um, tuning in with an aspiration and then staying with that, because the tendency can be after a while is that something. Oh, you know, I've got this. I've got this now, you know, and it starts to slacken a little bit. And the quality of gratitude and homage and openness and attunement begins to fade into something a little less, more another day. What am I going to get out? And then what am I going to get out of it? Starts to hover behind that. Tonight is our this um, meditative vigil, so using this particular uh, form as something to um, create create can create a steadying effect. Just being with something, you know, staying staying in a in a position, not physical position, but in a kind of attitude of practicing together, respecting a form of practice, staying with that through several hours. So in a way this is like a, you know, uh, something that we we sense is not just here I am meditating, but I'm actually um, supporting a vigil. Mm. So it, it, it creates something a little bit outside of me, you know, Something. Well, this is this is a this is an occasion. You get a sense of something has a quality of occasion to it. Um, you know, we can come. Well, I've got I know walking, sitting, walk. I do my walking and sitting, and then I, you know, for so long, and then I go to bed and whatever, which is all okay. But there's also that quality of just kind of extending the chandra into, 
you know, an occasion which means working with, you know, the sense of getting a bit bored with it or feeling uncomfortable, getting some pain, getting a bit sleepy and just actually working through those particular forms, perceptions, mental forms and so on. Test, you know, actually trying to extend into into the so that we can dismantle some of these things. These kind of things we try to defend ourselves from or push away. So always that that you know aspiration, always just the ability to kind of not so much make anything or become anything, but just open up to receive a little bit wider of the spectrum of our experience. Working within, you know, something that's that's manageable or sustainable, but certainly opening up, taking a little wider quality of our experience, so that the this in in the end this firms up our contemplative space. It doesn't weaken it; it firms it up because it makes it a bit more than just based upon particular kinds of feeling, particular kinds of perception. It, it kind of broadens it until you know there's something that comes beyond the sense of gaining or even um, knowledge is presence allowing things to shift and change patience and equanimity really powerful basic training mm. so offer this your reflection Andamayangamakatayasadukarandadamase Sadhu